Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fam 5 Podcast. In the studio today, we have Jay Flex in the house, ST in the house, my device in the house, and I rest the man. All right, everybody, so we're just going to follow up on a previous episode when we were talking about back to school, how the teachers and students were feeling. We left it off where we said September 22nd, we were going to go talk about the online virtual learning. And in, to, in the studio today, we do have a teacher who's uh, going to give us our insight on uh, his views on the back to school. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Just uh, checking in on you, see how things are going with um, back to school. I know it's been a bit of a trying time since uh, COVID has come into play. So just checking in on you, seeing how, uh, how it's been for you. How's it been going? Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, um, it's certainly a different school year um, with a lot of different uh, changes that, uh, you know, we've just been sort of thrown into the fire with and um, we're taking it uh, day by day. Wow. So um, it must be, well, yeah, as you said, it's been a, a, a trying time, really difficult compared to uh normal school years and stuff. Um, how about the students? How have they been um, managing thus far? You know what? I think the students overall are the ones that are um, handling this the best <laughs> because they um, are coming in with that that positive attitude that, that, that children generally always have and kind of just uh, uh, almost living and, and existing as if uh, this COVID wasn't around. So um, and, and just trying to make the, the, the best of uh, the situation. Oh, that's good. So, yeah, good. Um, in terms of uh, us teachers, um, certainly, you know, when I, I, I think overall the school board's done an amazing job in terms of setting up uh, safety protocols and making sure that things are looked after. No thanks to the help of uh, Minister Lecce. We'll talk a little <laughs> bit about that later on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, can't complain. I think, like I said, in terms of stress level, I think we're all feeling it a bit because we have kids going home every day. Um, last week, I had I, I work in a special education class. I had my child and youth worker I work with was away all week because of potential exposure. Oh, wow. um, so thankfully, she just got her negative test uh, today, actually, which is six days from when she got tested. So. Wow. Tests are taking a while to come back as well, which is a little bit concerning. Mm. Do you have a lot of kids in your class? Um, thankfully, because I do special education, I only have four kids in my class, so we are able to distance. But, you know, the other thing um, for regular classrooms is they don't have many children back in the classroom, so they're kind of getting a, a more intimate education, if you will, like almost kind of private school type class numbers. That's good. Um, for, for those that are still in there. Um, but, and basically what we're seeing is, um, you know, student, parents are withdrawing children as the numbers kind of get higher here. So. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Mark, ST here. Um, I know you listened to our previous podcast on the kids going back to school and um, you had a few concerns or you didn't like comments made by I and I Rastaman from what I was understanding. And 
I want to know what he said that you took offense to. Um, so I think the biggest thing was that, that I think Guy and I Rosterman had a problem saying generally out the, the vibe I got that was we, we complain about everything. We don't want to work. We are the problem. And I, I'm going to say that that isn't the case. I'm going to say, you know, we want to work. We want to be back in the classroom. We want things to be normal. And the, the, the interesting thing was this was kind of on, um, beside or, or just after all the union stuff that everybody had to hear about, right? So all of a sudden now COVID's here and we don't want to go back to work. And, you know, when, when we were fighting for, for what we thought would work best in the classroom, we were accused of all sorts of things. But I can tell you that teachers are hardworking people and we do want to work. Interesting. Okay. I and I, Rastaman, what do you think um, what Mark is saying? Well, do allow me to retort, Mark. What I was indicating, not saying that all teachers or teachers are lazy or they don't want to work. What I was saying is that, and maybe it's not teachers, it's the union who um, represent y'all, is the one who always saying um, teachers need this, teachers need that. And every time, as you, as I read in the paper, every time or what, what is published is that the teachers are always asking for this this amount and it's never enough not saying that they don't want to teach because I know a lot of teachers and I know a few principals so if I'm knocking them I'm knocking my friends as well so maybe it was taken out of context but there are some teachers who are you know don't really want to do the work they always blame the government that's what I was pretty much saying but I'm not going to take back what I said because I stand by what I said, but I'm not knocking everybody. Yeah, and that's understandable. And sort of in any field that you work in, there's always um, people that are maybe not as engaged as others. And, and that's just the way things work. Um, if we want to back things up here, if we want to go back to union negotiations, um, yes, money is always involved. Money is always part of a, a labor negotiation. If anybody has anything else to say say about that differently I don't uh, show me one labor negotiation where compensation isn't part of it right um the bigger thing though was what we were fighting for and I and I sort of from what I understand is you're saying well the unions well the unions are the teachers at the end of the day right so you know we're all in the same uh boat together so what the teachers were fighting for when when, when we were looking at union and uh, negotiations was smaller class sizes because we as a, a thought that was so important and we still do think it's so important and unfortunately the public doesn't understand in my opinion the implications of having larger class sizes it's 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 detrimental to all so that's what we were trying to do we were trying to try to keep those class sizes under control so that we don't have a situation where we have a, a grade four class with 40 students in it because it's it's just not um it's not good for anybody. It's not beneficial for anybody. No, I agree. I, I agree. 40 is a lot. I mean, the reasonable amount, I don't know, what is the reasonable about, amount, 20, 25? But my thing is, um, are you aware or did the um, union and the board sit down together with the government to lay out a plan? Because we're always going to have someone against someone. The, the, the teachers don't like what the government said. The government don't, doesn't like what the union said. So my thing is, are you aware, did they come up 
did they work together constructively to come up with a plan? So a plan in terms of like COVID or a plan in ter- like return to school or a plan about our sort of labor negotiation? Not not the um, labor negotiation, but with the plan with coming back to school. Because remember, right, you guys were out, the school was out since March. So yeah. my thing is, you would figure all groups would have gotten together and put a plan to work for September and depend on who you believe what's written in the paper. I mean, I'm not picking any side because you don't know who's saying what because the paper always has an agenda depending on what side they fall on, right? So that's why I'm asking, do you know if they had a plan that they sat down together to come up with something for September with the COVID? Yeah, and I think you kind of said something there, like it's hard to know who to believe, right? And I think that's the general sentiment of the public. It's really, who do we listen to here? Who's telling the truth, right? So it, it, from my perspective, uh, Lecce and Ford came up with this plan and, and they put, they, they, they do a great job of creating this false sense of confidence in, in sort of the Ontario people, I'll say, that everything's sorted out, we've got all this. And then lo and behold, you hear from the union saying, you know what, we haven't been, we haven't been contacted, we haven't been asked about anything. And that was kind of the truth in the matter that it was kind of the, 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 the Ford government saying, here's what's going to happen and here's how we're going to do it. But we're not going to ask any stakeholders in here. And, and you know who else was really bothered by all this? The parents. And they would because be. the Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't there was this plan and it, the plan was had of no substance. And if you remember early on in the game that they talked about class sizes being lower. Do you remember that? Right. Yes. Yeah. That never happened. That never happened. Wow. But it just, this kind of stuff gets forgotten and swept under the rug, right? What, what they're counting on is time to lower class sizes is um, by attrition, right? By, by student, by parents pulling the children out. Right. And then it's like, okay, well, we had a class of 20 and now we have seven kids doing virtual learning. So do we have the smaller class size? Mm, Okay. Right. It wasn't sort of mandated. Okay. Let me back up a minute, Mark. So what what you're saying is, what's his name? Lecce, Lecce, whatever you want. I like Leech. Leech is a better name. (laughs) Okay. Okay. We'll go with that one. Okay. So what you're saying is Leech and Ford are to blame for the situation the way it is now? Is that what I'm hearing? No, I don't think they're to blame. I think that they didn't consult like they should have. And that's why the unions kind of had to um, come in at the, the unions and made a lot of noise there first weeks of September saying like, come on, we need to be listened to here. But, you know, all in all, it's felt, it's fallen together quite well, I'll say. Well, that's the main thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And, but I don't think there was a, a plan. If you if you want to show respect, you ask the stakeholders involved. And that includes parents too, right? Okay. And there wasn't. It was just like, this is, it's our way or the highway type thing, right? Okay, but you see, you went somewhere where I hope you didn't go because you said ask the stakeholders, the parents. But yet, teachers nearly strike every other couple of years. And they, they don't think about the parents or the kids. They always say it's all about the kids, but but then that, that's another topic. That's that, We'll leave that for another day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I have a question for you. Now, we understand that 
it was um, the students' um, online learning, and it was a huge response on that. Now, you as a teacher, what do you think about that? Are you in favor or are you against it? And if you are in favor, in favor of it, let us know why. So I'm in favor of it given the circumstances we're in, but I don't think to online learning is ideal. That's not the way that education was ever intended. Um, and is it Mighty Vice? Is that the yes. – you, yes. you brought up the point. Yep. I'm right here now. Hi there. Hi. Yeah, you. I listened previously. You talked about it being a quagmire, right? And you talked about it that being down in the Caribbean, that school would be closed for a year, right? Yeah. Because of these sort of natural circumstances, right? So it is. I'm supportive of the online education because, based on these numbers, we might be headed there again, you know. And and it's a very very realistic uh, option at the, at this point, but. That's not the way education was meant to be, and that's never what we should rely on. How do I teach a kindergarten student to read online that over over yeah, over true. a screen? Yeah. Right. About half of half of being at school. What's the best part of school for children? Their friends. You know, that's the realistic option of it. That's social interaction. That's social engagement, which, of course, you don't have online learning. Right. Right. Um, the other thing is. School is often, often a safe haven for a lot of students, right? So all of a sudden now it's like you're learning at home. Well, home might not be the best place all the time, right? Um, and so it doesn't have an environment that maybe is conducive to learning, right? So you're coming to school, you have the certainty of a routine, consistency. Um, I'm showing up every day in that classroom. My attitude, my demeanor, the way I treat you is all the same. Right. And that's sort of what, you know, kids look for is that and, that and that's what they enjoy is that consistency routine. Well, all of that gets thrown out the window. Right. Because and, and these parents, poor parents are at home trying to manage all this. Right. They're trying to manage their child child online for 200 plus minutes a day and run a job and and, and look after household responsibilities. It's a lot. So I agree with it. It's we're going to have to work with it, but I don't think it's the best choice. So what I'm hearing is, what I'm hearing is that you're against it, sort of, kind of. Maybe not I'm totally against, against yeah. it. Maybe I just, just don't. Yeah, it's it's. I'm not, not the against it. Ideal way. Sorry, go ahead. To, sorry, it's just not the ideal way to teach a student. It's it's, it is what it is right now because of the circumstances. But when you really think about it in the long run. It's probably not the best way, as he says, as Mark said, for a, a child, a four-year-old who's in kindergarten, how do you teach that child to read? Mm -hmm. You know, how does that child sit in front of a computer listening to a teacher teach them something when normally they're in front of their computer or their tablet and they're watching, say, Peppa Pig or, or, or something like that, or they're playing their games, so... But that's what it is. That's what these four-year-olds, they know how to, you know, turn on their tablet and, and go to the games. But now they're, you know, they may be, lack of a better term, forced to sit in front of a computer and learn. So that would be really, really um, difficult. But I have a question. I mean, in the school that you're in, um, how are the other teachers um, managing with um, having to go back to work and go into the classrooms knowing that, you know, the students and the teachers, they themselves and the staff members 
are are somewhat exposed? Um, so, yes, we're taking all the safety precautions. And you got, you talked about last in your last podcast about wearing a mask all day. Funny enough, it just becomes weird. Like you feel naked without it on. So mm-hmm. it's, it get you get used to wearing it. Um, strangely enough, and I was so worried at the beginning of the year about like I'm like oh I have to wear a mask all day, but you just you adapt to it, right? And I think that's the the key word for everything. We've adapted to all these situations and we're trying to make the best of it. In terms of stress level, yeah, we certainly feel stress a little bit more because I'll give you some examples. I know you talked about, you asked uh, your last podcast about the library being closed down. Well, yeah, the libraries are closed down in the schools to sort of control uh, movement of students and where they are. And right now we're trying to keep all the classes outside as much as possible. But in another month's time, that's going to be really difficult with cold weather. You don't want you can't be outside for three hours straight, right? Even at like zero degrees, you still need a little bit of break inside. But um, in terms of how we're handling it, we're trying to we're we're, we're trying to have that optimistic, positive attitude and and just take all the precautions necessary, like face masks. Um, well, that's really the only precaution. In terms of social distancing, there's lots of that going on, but what you prescribe and what actually happens are a little bit different because, you know, how do you control 150 kids in a schoolyard and making sure they all stay apart from each other. Right. So there's some, they are pretty good at self monitoring, but you know, lots of reminders throughout the day to do it. So I can imagine. Wow. But, um, in the schoolyard, the kids are allowed to remove their mask. Am I correct? Or, yeah, they are allowed to remove their masks, um, but they're allowed to remove their masks, but we also are encouraging that they stay distant. Right, so right. just put that in your head, like it's, you know, trying to manage all these small kids and stay distant, keep your mask, but you're allowed your mask off. So there's a lot of rules for them to follow. And then just some other things. So we're, what's the ultimate schoolyard game that every kid from, you know, since forever is played tag. Tag, tag. Yeah. Tag. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. That's a no-go. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. What's another sports? Basketball, soccer. Soccer, right. Yeah. No-go. Touch Nothing. football. <laughs> yeah. So um, what the kids at my school have resorted to are they go to the corner where the schoolyard meets the street and yell at every passing car to honk <laughs> their horn. So kids are amazing like that, though, that in terms of finding things to do, right? So, um, and just actually it brings some beauty and joy to the community because everybody that honks, like, has a good laugh at it. And I think they understand, you know, the, the, the reason behind why the kids are doing it. It's like we have nothing else better to do except do this. So it's, it, it brings a light mood to the community, which is, which is kind of cool. Oh, nice, okay. nice. Yeah, Mike, this is my device here. Um, okay, I agree with you. I agree with you on the students requiring one-on-one at times um, in the in the learning process. That's definitely that's definitely correct. However, um, tradition we 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 living in a traditional time here. Um, eventually, with the technology. Um, bursting on the scene so quickly, things are changing so quickly. Uh, do you believe that the classroom was sooner or later going to be an extinct area <laughs> for uh, having kids come in? I mean, 
online technology is growing. I mean, 5G is coming in. Let's try to look 20 years down the road. What do you think? I think it's heading there, that's for sure. And especially for high school children sort of to begin with. But I think there needs to be a fight, um, a, a word that's very familiar with teachers and teachers' unions, <laughs> um, to, to save, to save that, that regular old learning. Yeah. Because I, I just, to have less social interaction, I don't think is, is, is beneficial to a, a child's social and emotional development. You know, kids spend a lot of time behind a screen right now, as it is, even without COVID, right? Yes, so I don't yes. think... I don't think that will be helpful, but let's, you know, you're saying let's look 20 years down the road. Well, I'm just look saying. Look at all the units. Yeah. It moved. It looked like the pandemic has brought it, uh, brought it closer now than the 20 years. Um, with with, with uh, the fact that uh, there is um, put a potential uh, lockdown again coming up, because, I mean, the health, the health, Ontario Health Minister, and um, even the mayor of Toronto is stating that hey, by mid October there might be a hundred, a thousand, sorry, a thousand cases a day, and if that mm-hmm. occurs, um, they would like to go down in lockdown mode like they did at the beginning of the pandemic. Again, that will affect obviously the schools. So um, the fact that the online learning it's not going very well, by the way, the online learning because I mean. They're not prepared for it. They, uh, the teachers are not all on the same wavelength, or I don't know. If, I don't know if it's qualified is the is the right word, but probably unaccustomed to the online learning process. Probably they need um, more assistance, more teachers, or probably even the private sector getting in with the school boards to assist the teachers to get this going. Because I mean, classes has been cancelled due to the fact that some of the online um, systems are not even ready to go. Yeah, and I, I think you, you know, and just to add to what you're saying, even the Toronto Public Officer of Health is saying, please, Toronto residents only do essential trips right now. So to me, it's kind of foreshadowing what's what's coming down the, the tube. Um, but yeah, in ter- I, you know, I don't know if it's so much that, um, let's say whoever, whoever it is, is not ready or things aren't in place, but I think you can only get so much out of online learning if you are, say, an eight-year-old, right? You're just not going to get the same benefit from, no matter how much you do online or what you do, you're not going to get the same benefit as being in the classroom. And yes, you're right. All, you know, um, things aren't completely ready to go. Like some school boards were still looking for teachers to fill um, positions. But I don't necessarily think, I think that's just the natural consequence of what's happened because in the heart, in the, in the blink of an eye, parents can decide to switch to online learning. Well, there's a consequence for that. If you're deciding to switch for online learning, we need to get more staff to fill all these jobs, right? So yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's a process and it's, it's taking time to fill because, you know, overnight, I think if you read, I think 10,000 TDSB kids switched on September yes. 30th. Yes. Well, now you have 10,000 additional kids. Well, you, you, we just don't have people, you know, sitting on the uh, other, a teacher sitting on the other end of a screen saying, mm-hmm. oh, I'm ready to go type thing, right? It, it takes some time to fill. Um, and uh, Mighty Vice, you pointed to 
in your last podcast, you talked about, you know, we kind of all just need to work together and we need to kind of just cooperate. I think that was the word you used. Yeah, um, to yeah kind of, for sure. You know, I, to, to I kind just of, say, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, just to kind of, uh, I think in North America, we're all on that dead, like deadly timeline. Like it needs to happen now, now, now. I think patience a little bit of patience on everybody's part will go a long way. Yeah, and that's why I was kind of even questioning the rush to go back in September. I mean, we knew a second wave was coming. We we never put a test. We never sent a, a, a test out there to open the schools, a few schools, and see what it would like. We never really have the online test done. We just sent everybody back and expected the school boards to, to be able to react. I mean... I think we rush for it without, you know, thinking it through at at some points. But I know we have to get back out there. We have to get back doing the normal things and protect ourselves and our children, you know. So I guess that was the way to say, you know what, we are kickstarting the economy, so kids need to get back to school. So, yes, I understand that, but now another lockdown is looming. And for how long? Who knows? It's winter time. Jeez. Uh, Mark, I was um, interested in what you said about um, to hire more, well, what was it, 18,000 more students, I believe you said? I think 10,000. Oh, sorry. 10, 000, okay. 10,000 for the online. Now you're saying there's not enough teachers, right? But what happened to all the supply teachers? What happened to that? Yeah, I'm not, they're, they're there, but I think there's some, um, there's some fear amongst just going into random schools. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, and I, I understand that I, you know, I, I see it from their perspective as well. And um, so, and they're not like, I'll, we have a lot of, te you know, occasional teachers that are retired. Right. So that, that are, they've retired and they'd supply teach a bit. So a lot of them are a bit apprehensive, I would say, to go back into the classroom into random schools just for a day, right, to teach. Um, so, yeah, it's like finding finding the numbers. But, again, a, an occasional teacher is probably not going to be the ones that are doing the online learning, like a, a mm -hmm. classroom. It's probably going to be a permanent teacher um, that's, like, been permanently hired. So I'm not exactly sure about why the why there is but i can tell you that 10,000 students switching overnight will, would cause a bit of a delay right in getting in getting someone to run the class but i think like mighty vice said you know um it's, you know the best thing i saw the best analogy i thought it's like trying to build an airplane while flying it <laughs> and i thought isn't that isn't that just dead on exactly what it is right exactly. because you're trying to just you're trying to go build on the go and change on the go and do whatever you need to do and make those, make those shifts um, while still trying to have a school year. Mm. But wasn't it the same government that were, was um, encouraging retired teachers to come out of retirement and help teach these students? Right. They, they, yeah. So actually funny enough, um, my girlfriend's dad has been retired for 12 years. He has never went into supply teach at all in his retirement. Mm -hmm. And he got an email uh, two weeks ago saying, come on back. So, <laughs> Yo, you guys' pension plan is too good to come out of retirement. Come on. <laughs> Who would do that? <laughs> <laughs> 
you're right. Basically, and actually, funny enough that you say 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 that my girlfriend actually works for the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan. Oh, wow. So, yeah. All right. Excellent. Awesome. All one big family here. So, awesome. um, yeah, but I don't think there's been a big, um, from that email put out, I don't think there's been a large response to it. I, and I think that's still why we're part of the situation of trying to find people, right? Oh, so what I'm hearing from you is that as long as you're a teacher and the pension plan is good, you're not going anywhere, right? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm. I'm saying. I, if you want to talk about pension plans, we can. <laughs> no, yeah, that'll be another one. And I'm. I'm not going to expose which person there that I'm speaking to now also worked for the government of yeah, Ontario as well. There, so <laughs> we, we, we don't know who it is. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know that's another another subject about sort of. Uh, another for another day right now we're talking about that what yeah. the teachers are right. doing and i think by and large we're doing a good job and, and i'm not going to say good, a great job to facilitate as best we can a normal school year for these children mm-hmm. given the circumstances and um given the fact that like mighty vice said we we kind of just threw everybody into the fire again without sort of test runs or you know uh thinking it through a bit more so the other thing I wanted to just touch on was devices, just to clarify a bit for you guys. Um, devices are available to children, to students, um, it, and it's basically sort of from a larger sort of central thing outside of the school board or outside of a school, but like they'll purulator it to a kid and a kid's family, whatever they need. So okay, so that's I don't think there's been a many issues with that. I think who's ever needed one has got one, but um, like someone pointed out in the previous one that there's a lot of families that do already have, right? But those those families that are in need, certainly we're, we're reaching out. Hmm. Good. Okay, it's good to know. That's good. Mark, okay. Mark I have a question. Um, the day of school, well, when it comes to school, I shouldn't say the day of school. So every day, do you guys take the kids' temperature before they enter the building? So every day there's... Um, what we call there's like a, a TDSB student health pass that the parents sign off that they've went through the um, all the checklist with the child, right? Right. Um. So and that and that everything's been met. And um, what I always say about parents and guardians with an education system is that they are an integral part. They always have been, and they always will be. So we're kind of counting on them to do that screening and show us. The, the form that it's been signed that they've been screened. Um, and if a child arrives without that screening form um, signed, then someone will screen them before they enter the building. So every day, so Monday to Friday, if those kids are in school, they must bring that fo- signed form? They must bring that signed form, yes. Wow. And that I, I form think, is I think, checked. I think that's a good check in place, though, because it happens with all the daycares right now. So, I mean, once you drop off your child in daycare, you have to have that note else they reject the child for the day. Mm. So I yeah, mean, yeah. I know it sounds really harsh and really strict, but that's the way moving forward. Because at the end of the day, as as you guys all know, the, the kids, some of them don't even have the symptoms and they may have COVID virus, right? And they bring it back home that's to the their scary parents. Part. And that is the that is the issue, you know. So yeah, I don't mind the screen as much as possible, you know. It is what it is. Yeah, and and generally speaking, you know, 
everybody's on the same page with this kind of stuff and kind of looking out for each other, right? So, and I, I, they, I don't know if you did you see the changes they made about three days, two days ago, about if a child has one symptom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like so a runny nose or something. Yeah. Yeah, if they have a runny nose or a sore throat, they they can't come, but they don't need to go for a COVID test. I yeah. believe. Oh, okay. I just, don't quote me on it, but they don't need to go for a COVID test. But they, as long as their symptoms are improving. They or like better, they can come back in twenty four hours. Yeah, and I think they have to go so, to their family doctor or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, they have to just re- go to review. their family doctor, but not a COVID test is required because we're into the flu season. Kids are gonna have colds. We're gonna have colds. I mean, you know. So yeah. We, I mean, somebody sneeze or have a cold now, the fear might be they have COVID. So it's the, the symptoms are so similar. So, yeah. But I think I think you got to assume everything's COVID at this point. Yeah, I, I think guess that's so. the safest way. <laughs> safest I mean, if some I don't know how are you how are you folks going to feel? You're in your workplace and someone's sniffling and beside you, right? Just they're they're constantly blowing their nose. You're going to be like, get out of here, right? So yeah. true. Um, I, I think the safest thing is we just assume everything is COVID, and that probably keeps us all a little bit safer. I know. How do you differentiate between the flu, cold, and COVID? I'm not sure. That's true. All right, Mark, you know what? Um, We thank you so much for coming on the podcast as a teacher and explaining everything to us. Um, On a final note, do you have anything you want to tell us or say? My my sort of final thoughts for Uh this is school is safe. Schools are going to have cases just like anywhere else. It's I, and we're doing a good job to manage them and sort of keep everything running as much as possible. Um, and teachers, we do want to be there. We want to be in that classroom. We don't want to just sit at home for, you know, however many months more. We, we want to make the system work. And that's the sort of thought that I want to leave you with that. Yes, you know, we do fight when the time comes for what is right in terms of class sizes and special education funding and all that. But you know, by and large, we're making it work, and uh, we we hope you see that. Absolutely. Once again, I want to thank you so much for coming on to All the right. podcast, and um, maybe my coworkers here have a final say to say to you. Yes, Mark, my advice again: uh, just be safe out there and keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate the work you're doing and putting in. You know what I mean? And as I say, man, just hang in there and. Let's follow our health officials and make sure that we do what we're told to do in terms of dealing with this pandemic. Jay Flex, anything to say to Mark? Final words? Thanks, Mark, for coming on and uh, clarifying things for us. Um, Really appreciate it. Stay safe out there. Mark, I and I, Rastaman here, appreciate the insight, you know, and just listen to what you have to say. Now I'm on the side of the teachers not fully but i do understand what i'm gonna say but i tell you i'm just being straight up right but i'm gonna tell you that when people who i talk to outside i'm gonna tell them what a teacher is going through and that they, they do want to be there so you know what i appreciate your time well, thank insight. you so much for having me, and thank you for shifting some of your sort of opinions <laughs> on things. I, I appreciate that. So, don't worry, we're All coming right. back for you again. Okay, <laughs> take, right. care. Take, care. You. take care. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode on the Fam 5 podcast. Hope you enjoyed today's topic with our special guests. If you want to leave comments, please send it to fam5podcast at gmail.com.